0: Hello, and welcome to What in Nation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're discussing Phil Longo leaving UNC for Wisconsin and the men's basketball win over Georgia Tech. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me as always are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Guys, they actually won a game.
1: I know. It's about time, right?
0: Big yeah. big changes over the last couple podcasts.
2: Moving on. Ain't ain't it only took a four game losing slide to get here? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, you know, other than that.
1: Hey, look at us. Who would have (laughs) thought?
0: Not me. (laughs) Um, But we'll get to that. We should start with first things first. And uh, we got a bit of news last week. Um, And... I mean, I don't know that it can be considered very surprising. I think we speculated about it here. Um, I don't think it necessarily happened the way that we thought it might. But Phil Longo decided to take the offensive coordinator job at Wisconsin. And um, yeah, so UNC will not have phil longo to blame any offensive woes or play calling or red zone inefficiency on next season i can't say that we will be openly weeping about that but you know
1: yeah i don't think we will um from what we were able to gather, it sounds like his wife has family in Wisconsin and that had something to do with it. I and um Julius, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. It it very well could be that him and Mac had a conversation behind the scenes. Um that probably tracks because I know during some of his pressers this season, you got the feeling that Mac was a little bit over some of the things that the offense were doing. Um, He was somehow more critical of the offense than the defense, which is probably telling you something considering the offense was the better group of the two, but yeah, um, it's, it's a needed change. I think that this gives Mac an opportunity to, maybe possibly step outside of his comfort zone and find an offensive coordinator that will get him where they need to go. Um, Tanya's shaking her head. No, uh,
0: that's funny. <laughs>
1: I know, but the opportunities there, whether or not he takes it is up to him.
2: <laughs> no, I agree. And um, let me preface what I'm going to say with a couple of things here. So number one, I guess, I guess, Shout out to Corey Smith and Pack Pride because apparently they can't write anything about themselves and you know everything that happens for Carolina football. They're jumping on. I'll, I've seen them write more about Carolina football and I have them write about Pack Athletics. And, you know, that's kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> the, the second thing um, that I was going to say was. Yeah, so not only did we speculate about it last week, but we said we mentioned it the week before as well, right? So, like, how bad of an ending to the season was that uh, offensively? You know, and I'm not just talking about the normal Carolina stuff here, right? Um, you know, give Phil Longo his dues, his air raid offense. Uh, awesome. They put up, you know, impressive numbers. He's been very well but you just can't have someone who was either very close to you or already as, as the leading candidate for the Heisman and then do what happened to end of the season, you know, and it to be – for it to look so fundamental, like not not a one-off, not, you know, an issue here. It was just so fundamentally flawed. And, yeah, so we won't have Longo next season, but we also won't have our offensive line coach either. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that
0: don't know that uh, there will be tears shed over that one either. Yeah. Um, One thing that we talked about when we were speculating about Longo not being on board next season was not knowing how Drake May would feel about that. Um, Obviously, when asked if he would transfer, uh, he gave sort of the half answer – uh, he said that it was his plan mm-hmm. to be in Chapel Hill next year, which is, I mean, not the most like, uh, concrete kind of answer that you would want to hear in, in that situation.
2: Oh, I cringe at um, that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it it was not something that should make you feel good um, about the situation. It
1: had like a secret, but in there, it, it felt like there was the but. If somebody offered me the right scholarship, A.
0: Right. Um, so whether coincidental or not, uh, Drake put a little more oomph behind what his plans are for next year. Right after Longo announced that he was leaving. Um, and I mean, it was as definitive as it gets. Said that he could never leave Chapel Hill. Um, you can read what you will into that. We certainly have. Um, I, I don't, I would, if anyone could convince me that that was not related, I think I would be, uh, pretty impressed by that. But, uh, the timing makes it as such that, um, I, I can't really be convinced that the two were not linked.
2: So the only thing that I'll say about that definitively is that for the people that were um, on Twitter that I saw, fans and non-fans alike were like, oh, why did he have to announce that? You know, this is kind of lame. Y'all were the reason why he had to announce it. You're yep. like, the ones who spun out the rumors that he was transferring um, and poor Wisconsin. Like how funny was that? They spent a, a, a good two hours convincing themselves that Drake was going to follow Longo to Wisconsin only for him to put out that social media post.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know how realistic of a chance there was that he was going to transfer. None of us will ever know because it didn't happen. Um, I do remember somebody reaching out to me on Twitter and mentioning they said something like they thought he was going to transfer to Alabama. And my response was like, LOL. No. (laughs) Um, I just, if he wanted to go to Alabama, he would have went when he was committed to Alabama. Like that's point blank. The end. I don't feel like there was anything going on at Alabama that deterred him. I think he wanted to come to Chapel Hill Um, because I mean, if you're wanting to win a national title, let's, just be honest about this, Alabama's the best position for you. So there was something about UNC that made him want to go, and obviously he has a lot of family ties there. Um, I think he did throw us for a loop with his PR-friendly answer when asked the first time. I think his tweet probably – confirms that he probably wasn't considering it. But once again, I think it's just one of those situations that we will never know the truth. We just know he's staying.
0: And, I mean, I'm thankful for that because in a world where he felt particularly connected to what Phil Longo did to get him in the position that he was in up until the wheels fell off and the engine fell out, Um, I mentioned it in the last podcast, but, you know, he, he could have been apprehensive about wanting to stay in a place with a new offensive coordinator in his big NFL tryout season. Um, clearly he does not feel that way or he wouldn't have been so committal in that tweet. I think that's good news for all of us, but, um, it will definitely be interesting to see what direction Mac ends up going in. Um like you said, I do think there there is opportunity there. I just don't know that that will be taken.
1: He's a very I got a buddy from college type guy.
0: Yeah, he he is the I know a guy guy. Yeah. And maybe we don't need the guy that we know this time. Um maybe go get someone else's guy that they know.
2: Seth the trail trap. Seth Bla trap. Yeah.
0: Um, that's all I'm saying. And um I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but um we've talked off the podcast about um the tweet that went around about the average age of coaching staffs. Yes. And how coaching staffs that tend to be younger tend to be the ones that are doing extremely well. Um, UNC is not on that list, uh, as you may guess. Um, and I I think that it would not hurt to at least move a little bit that direction. And try to get some of the newer ideas and schematics and that kind of thing uh, while there is this opportunity with someone as talented as May is.
2: Can we kill one thing, though? The head coaching waiting thing? That's not going to happen. No. No.
0: And I think it's overblown every time it is mentioned. Like in in almost every situation people see a guy and they're like oh head coach in waiting and then he like goes and gets hired at a completely different program before that head coach ever leaves or anything like that unless it is like a John Shire at Duke situation and even that i wasn't convinced until it actually happened that that was what they were going to do but other than that it's it's probably not a thing. I I don't know who Carolina's next coach is going to be. You don't know who Carolina's next coach is going to be. I think they, again, we, we talked about this before, like it's been a lot of safe choices. Yeah. And um, I fully believe that that will be the case whenever they go through it next time.
1: Yeah. I can definitely see them going safe again. Um,
0: it's going to be Gene Chizik.
1: Oh, my goodness. Probably. Now that you say that, it really well, is going to be Gene Chizik.
2: Well, okay, though. But if we're ta- if we're talking about scenarios here, would it be the worst idea to give Coach Warren full control of the defense and let Chizik call the offense? Because obviously he knows how to uh, have numbers put up against him. So, right.
0: Just keep doing what you're doing, buddy.
2: <laughs> yes. So call call the plays only offensively that you would have called defensively. Like, come on, come on. let's play this chess game. Yeah, let's do it. Now, I, I I'll say this, and I guess uh, on some level, I do agree with you. But if they do that this time, uh, with having Drake here. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be bad. Um, and it's not going to end well for anyone on the staff. No, no one. Like you can't have uh, who should be who should have been a Heisman candidate finalist, at least uh, this year uh, and going in as a, a Heisman candidate um, as a Heisman candidate next year. And for you, you know, just to, to, again, draw from the the good old boys club. You can't do that unless unless they actually do it and it's successful, um, you know, <laughs>
1: And see, that's the thing about expectations that I feel like Carolina football is not incredibly used to. Like, I I don't know the last time they even had anybody close to the Heisman conversation. And I think once you get there and your hire is heavily tied to making sure this guy is in Heisman contention. You 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 have to be sweating. Like you you have to make sure that you are nailing this higher, or there are going to be a lot of questions asked and a lot of
0: are there though? Like from us, yes. <laughs> from the school, I don't, I don't know. think so.
2: There has to be, and and not just because of Dre, but it's a uh, seemingly a repeat of what happened with Sam Howe. Yeah. Yeah. And for you to have one of those, you know, I feel like you can kind of get away with it. Because, again, you know, like Brandon mentioned, this is UNC football. and not kind of used to it. But we just did this exact same thing with Sam Howe. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bubba's got to be thinking, you know, or would have to be thinking in this scenario. That's not a good look for anybody. Right. It's
0: not. But I just, I feel like Mac would have to run over an old lady crossing the street with her cat for anything to happen.
2: I'm telling you right now, if we go into next season and is lackluster and, you know, Drake kind of falls off like Sam did is no one's going to be safe. And because not just from the boosters perspective, the fans and they're already on edge anyway, uh, as they always are, but uh, the fans are just going to be insane. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll be like the flip of a switch if this happens next season.
0: Okay, but let me present this scenario to you. They're not lackluster; they are fine, and it's like an eight-win season. You really, you really think that that would be enough to make wholesale changes?
2: Depending on what happens.
0: So, I I just want to put out there: I I agree with you. I am coming at this from the perspective of someone who thinks that they take another eight-win season with sellout crowds at Keenan to the bank and are like, Hey, we'll we'll see what next year brings.
2: Okay, fair. Uh, Eight-win season with sellout crowds without the Drake May thing would not warrant that. But an eight-win season, sellout crowds, and then you get you know seemingly embarrassed again. Second year in a row, third year overall, and you know in the last couple of years, yeah, I think there was some someone's going to have a black eye, uh, and it's and it's going to be on the the staff. It's going to be someone unexpected, and I hope we're just talking about this because um, for nothing, you know, just dreaming it up because I hope they they get it um, figured out. But you can't do this again. You can't you can't have the same thing happen next season. And I
1: think if it does happen again and no changes are made, I think that finally answers the question of how serious is Bubba Cunningham willing to take football? Like, there's constantly been this conversation of, you know, Carolina needs to be relevant. They need to be, you know, talked about getting to college football playoffs, things like that. You have to be really serious about that. It can't just be about selling tickets. It has to be, you have to constantly be tinkering. And I think if you accept, um, I'm going to say mediocrity just from the sense of, hey, we had a good season because we had a winning record. Time to move on to the next one. Like if you accept that every year, you don't take football seriously.
0: I hope you both are right truly I just feel like if they plod through the season winning more than they lose and they make it to the ACC championship game and lose again mm-hmm. that that will be good enough well,
2: see, I hate that well, see, here's the part that we're forgetting here we don't have divisions next year so we can't no. do that
0: well no. I'm not saying you know win a bad Coastal I'm saying like
2: I mean like an 8-4 record is not going to take us to uh, the title game next year
0: they're not going to win a bad a bad Coastal because of the lack of divisions thing but I just I don't know like I said this is me being the way that I am which is to prepare for things that I feel like are inevitable to make me angry and that way anything that's not that is a pleasant surprise.
1: That's fair. That that's fair. <laughs> uh,
2: that I think we've had fair. enough pleasant surprises over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah.
0: There have been pleasant surprises.
2: Well, unpleasant surprises. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there there have been plenty of unpleasant surprises.
1: <laughs> but pleasant surprises is a nice segue into basketball where there was the pleasant surprise of them looking more like a Carolina basketball team
0: should, I guess, but that shouldn't be a pleasant surprise. That should, should just be, but they haven't. So I, I guess there's that.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that was unpleasant because of the way it happened and the way we know that it needs to continue and it's not going to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah, they they managed to snap their four-game losing streak. Um, It was their uh, first game at home in in 95 years. Um, Baycott was back from his shoulder injury, although clearly not 100%. Um, But things looked better. Um, I think a non-zero amount of that was that they actually shared the ball. There were assists in the game, um, which have been sorely missing from some of these uh less than pleasant games we've had to watch.
2: Yeah, well, how can you how can you assist when you're pulling up three seconds
1: into the shot clock? <laughs> that's a great question. I guess you're assisting your stat sheet in a good or a bad way, but that's about it. Um, (laughs) but yeah, they had 15 assists in this one. Um, the leading assist guy was Caleb Love. Who
0: would have thought? Not me,
2: (laughs) (laughs) he had one more than he had turnovers, and obviously that was in the second half, but
0: yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um,
0: and I think, I mean. Again, it's one of those things where you see it and you don't know how much is coincidence and how much isn't. But, um, Hubert seemingly benched Caleb in the first half when he was turning it over a lot and shooting pretty poorly from the field. Um, and Seth Trimble was a revelation in his place. Um, And I don't know if that unlocked something or um, if it was just, like I said, coincidence that things turned around in the second half. But I can't imagine that that uh, left a nice taste in his mouth.
2: Yeah. And I kind of want to draw on something that um, I said last season, you know, Um, and maybe Hubert has the ability to do that now with Seth Trimble uh, being on the team. I don't know. But last season, I called for, we called for, and said, hey, maybe you need to sit, love, when he's coming out uh, and, and playing like that you know, with turnover machine and not making any shots because he's certainly not helping you. Um, and rarely would he shoot himself or play himself out of it, right? Um, so I hope going forward that is a recipe that, that uh, Huber is willing to use because we do have viable players now. If he didn't think that we had them last season, um so yeah but that's the that's the way that i took it and you know maybe maybe not specifically uh sit because you're not playing well kind of thing but you know because to get out of your own head kind of thing like and, and kind of look at what's going on
1: <laughs> i think that's a very good way to look at it i think sometimes when things aren't working for caleb he decides that he needs to keep doing what he is doing and eventually it will work. And I think it's it's definitely falling into that definition of insanity. So I think Hubert finally broke that. Um and when Trimble went in there, him and RJ looked really good together on the floor. Like really good. Um they I I think they got a turnover or two during those last couple minutes. Um, everything just looked good, it, it looked like what we would expect from Carolina basketball, and then, um, in the second half, Caleb came back in and he did better. There were still some rough spots, um, but for the most part, you could tell that he played a little more in control, um, his shooting. From three still isn't great,
2: and the whole
0: team's shooting from three is like bad. not suitable for work <laughs>
2: type numbers. Yeah, yeah, and um, and when you mentioned that, uh, you know, he played, he was playing a little better, so you can absorb those um, mistakes that he was making in the second half when you're up. You can't yeah. do it when you when it's a close game or you're down. Um, you yeah, know, so.
1: And I feel like because Baycott was back and because they finally realized that they needed to make the much-needed adjustment of having Baycott really, like, uh, I guess, dominate the paint. um, Because a lot of what was going on before was he was coming out, having to set screens high for Caleb, and Caleb was... You know, he would either try to kick it to somebody around the perimeter or he would shoot it most of the times he shot it. Um, We saw Baycott posting up a lot more, getting a lot more touches. Um, He led the team in shots, which.
0: That is big because I know I pointed out um, in a couple of games, like there is no reason why Armando Baycott should only be taking six shots in a game that just doesn't spell success for this team so.
1: right i just i think as long as they can stick with that i think that will make things a bit easier on the perimeter because right now i feel like if you're you know not counting the georgia tech game what you're scouting for if you're the opposing team is they're going to try to shoot at three They're going to try to shoot away from the rim, just make them shoot their low percentage shots, you'll get a rebound. And I really feel like that's why other teams were leading in the rebound. It's part of the reason. But, you know, I think that's why other teams were having success rebounding, too, is because they were just like, okay, shoot it. I'm going to be waiting right here. Get the ball. We're going to score in transition. And we're just going to keep doing that.
0: Well, it doesn't help when uh, you take a shot and and the rest of your teammates are still under the other basket because they haven't actually made it down the floor to Mm -hmm. rebound it yet. Um, I'm just saying. Um, But yeah, I think Seth is a really good sort of like foil for Caleb because he's not going to give you the points that Caleb is at least right now. But I think one thing that Seth has going for him is that he has really brought a lot of good energy defensively. And I feel like that is one place where Caleb is not always <laughs> as strong. Um, So it really is like, almost a perfect, like, counter to Caleb. Like, Seth's going to come in and probably share the ball a bit better, and he's going to come in and defend a bit better.
1: He's more of a point guard than Caleb is really what it feels like. Um, I've been on the record of saying I still don't know why we have Caleb – doing anything related to a point guard spot he's not a point guard but he was going to keep doing it so um but yeah like with tremble in the game especially when rj's in the game as well you feel more like you have two point guards that are able to get things done and not just one that touches the ball 40 percent of the time while the other guy <laughs> that isn't a point guard touches it 60 percent of the time
2: so, a uh, question for you guys, though, because I thought there was a stretch there, at least in the beginning of last season, when Caleb was, you know, facilitating and dishing that out. Um, if if that were so, maybe the, big diff- the biggest difference this season is he's not shooting that well, so they're able to approach him differently than they were, you know, last season when, you know, he seemingly was, or at least the beginning of last season, because I know that went off the rails, too, uh, at some point, but... Hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it's a little bit of that because we know that he sort of has the mindset of like, if that one didn't go in, the next one will. So I think he tries to shoot himself out of his funk, and his funk has lasted most of the season to this point. Um, I also think that the team as a whole kind of got into a weird rhythm in the first several games where it felt like they were all just kind of like freelancing it out there. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that was helped by the way Caleb plays, but I also think that some of that happened as a result because it was, it was just very much like five dudes standing around And they're supposed to be playing together, but it seemed like they were all kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, But I definitely think like, you know, the sort of like oversimplification that Roy always said, where like everything looks better when the ball's going in the basket. Like Caleb looks a lot better when the ball's going in the basket. And I think that he looks like a more – well-rounded player when that's happening because he's not forcing it for himself as much. And he's less sort of in his head about what he needs to do. And I think that that lent itself to being a bit of a better facilitator before. Um, But also like they can't always just let him shoot out of his slumps. Right. To the detriment of of everything
1: else, especially if you're that serious about making it back to the national championship, you just you have to you have to do what you have to do to win. You you have other options that don't involve shooting yourself out of a slump. You can get shots for your teammates, um, whether they're on the perimeter or at, in the paint. Like you can do other things um I hope he realizes that soon um I think sometimes he looks like he realizes it and obviously other times he doesn't um so it's just a matter of him consistently being a playmaker really which that that can mean two different things but
0: I think it's a very delicate line to walk With Caleb, like on one hand, you want him to help carry your offense, but you don't want him to put the burden on himself to do it all so that he shoots at the volume that he was in the Alabama game, for instance. But you don't want him to have to create shots because that isn't really what he's The best at but you don't want him to not be able to do that because then you know it it sort of closes off your offense and it's the struggles that we've seen early this season and you don't want him to be so confident that he is just going to get out there and shoot and shoot and shoot um hoping that the next one's going to fall but you also don't want to wreck his spirit to the point that he feels like it's going to be forever. So it's it's definitely like a very fine needle to thread, I feel like. And I'm glad I'm not the one that has to do it because it seems it seems very difficult. But um I think that's kind of what happens when you have a guy who I mean, we even talked about this with, like, Kobe White's first, or only year at at Carolina, obviously. Um, Like, we watched him play in high school, and it was very clear that he was a lot of times the only guy on his team who could score. Yeah. And he very clearly took a lot of that on himself to do because if he wasn't doing it, they were probably going to lose. Um, And I think a lot of guys come into college with that mindset, unless you went to one of the, like, everyone's a star, everyone's D1 kind of school. Uh But the thing is, we're three years in now. Yeah. So we kind of need to not have the mindset of, like, if I can't do it, it's not going to be done. Because, like, my guy, you are surrounded by guys who can help you.
2: It it would also be a little different if um, in year three, you had that mindset and there was anything that justified it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You were doing, if you were getting 30, 40 point games every night. Okay, fine. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, But with the three point percentage um, the way that it is and just overall field goal percentage, the way that it is. Yeah. No, maybe don't take that shot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's just really, there's nothing that even calls for it. I mean, even when they're struggling, um, I I can't fathom the thought process that would make that feel like the solution yeah. instead of what we know works for Carolina's system. Yeah, which is getting it down low and occasionally kicking it back out. But
1: right, and I think that's. It's interesting because I feel like somehow the players surrounding Baycott basically it used to be Baycott and Manic. I I, I guess Nance, it, you could throw him in there, but um it's almost like they forgot that that's really how you get easier shots out there is make the other team afraid of Baycott. Um And don't get me wrong, teams have played Baycott very hard this year so far. So it's not like anything was ever going to be easy for him and that he's just taking a nap near the rim. But I've just gotten the feeling up to this game and, I mean, even some points of this game that they're almost trying to play outside in and that's just not going to work. That's never worked.
0: Especially not when you have as low of a three point percentage as you do.
2: Exactly. Especially not when you can't hit the broad side of a barn. Yeah. <laughs> right. But
0: it was at least an, an encouraging sign. Um, hopefully a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Um but man, we gotta learn to hit some threes, I swear.
1: Yeah they really need to be able to hit threes for this team to be successful. And that's.
0: And I don't know where they're coming from. If they're not already there.
2: Well, I didn't say, well, they have been coming from the parking lot. If you're talking about where they're shooting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just looking at the box scroll. One thing that's kind of driving me nuts is, I mean, really two things. RJ Davis and Pete Nance took two three pointers apiece.
0: Well, RJ was too busy rebounding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shout outs to him having a double double, a rebound double double.
0: That's really fun. He
1: was a beast. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to see him shoot a little more. I know he's kind of part of the volume problem in the backcourt, but I also feel like, like, It's not that him and Caleb don't need to keep taking those shots. They just have to be smarter shots. That's Mm -hmm. really the whole thing. And with Pete Nance, I feel like he just needs to take more in general. I think he's always been a high percentage, low volume guy. And I want to see a little bit more just to get a better feel for if he can shoot at a high efficiency with a relatively decent volume
0: guards keep the announcers from saying he didn't need to take that shot challenge.
2: Yeah.
1: That's the main goal.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I heard them during the Georgia tech game. Uh, he said that uh, Huber. Oh, Corey said that considers some of the bad shots that um, Caleb takes as turnovers. Let me find out. You've been listening to the podcast coach Davis. <laughs> Thanks for telling us. I've been saying that all, I said all season. Yeah. You know?
1: Bad shots or turnovers, that's just, you're you're giving the ball away with your bad choices.
0: It's fine. We got you. Yeah. Happy yeah. to help.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of happy, we got Jalen Washington back.
0: Your transitions tonight have been just flawless. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of happy. Yes, Jalen Washington. Is fun. And I don't know how much he's going to play this season, but I'm going to have a good time when he does play.
1: Yeah. I think he's definitely going to, uh, they're going to have to walk a fine line with him. Uh, he is just now getting back to, I guess, playing shape um i think he had been practicing but i don't know what type of practicing we're talking about like if he's been running five on five or anything like that i want to say that he has for at least a month maybe but um i definitely want to see him play more eventually i know it's going to be slow getting there um i think he's going to be a difference maker for when Baycott's on the bench, if he is utilized. Um, because right now, having Pete Nance play the five, it's a little scary. It's a little scary. I don't love it. Um, I think he is definitely a power forward in the most literal sense. I don't know that the center is necessarily the right position for him ever um and that's fine but washington is just he's so big and he's the little bit of athleticism we saw you kind of got an idea of what he was doing in high school before he got injured and i just i just think that he will be valuable if we can if he can get to where he's getting you know maybe 15 to 20 minutes a game
2: yeah, no, I agree, and I was very happy um, to see, but see him play because again, you know, that was his first game since what, July two thousand twenty one, um, March, yeah. <clears throat> so that was, um, so yeah, happy to, happy that he got in the game, and then happy he scored, and yeah, like you said, I think if we can build on what we did against Georgia Tech, and it's not like it's anything foreign, they just. Sometimes don't execute it very well, and I mean everybody involved, you know, not just not just one person. They can actually put together games like that um, and utilize, be able to utilize Jalen come um, next year, heading into March. Then yeah, we we've definitely got a shot, but we got to see. And obviously, um, one of our next tests comes very soon, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, they get sort of one last warm-up shot against the Citadel tomorrow.
2: Yes, tomorrow.
0: And then uh, CBS Sports Classic. Not not my favorite event. No. Because I feel like it goes.
2: I'm happy to <laughs> not be playing Kentucky again this year. Yes. There's that.
0: But when's the last time? Like when's the last time that it has gone well?
1: Um, I want to say the last time it went well was maybe against UCLA, maybe. Don't quote me on that, but that sounds familiar to me.
2: I don't know. I don't have. I don't have fond memories of the champions class no. or CBS class. It's
1: never.
0: I really, really don't.
1: <laughs> it's never a fun time.
0: Just out here trying to ruin Christmas.
1: Uh huh. <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Ohio. But I do believe we beat Ohio State the last time we played them in it.
1: That that could be
2: because I believe it was in D.C. at the time. Okay, yeah. I know at
1: one point we played Ohio State in Ohio. I think that didn't go very well, but I also think that. I think that would might have been the really bad season anyway.
2: <laughs> when do our when do our out of conference road game trips to like bona fide base or basketball arenas turn out well? Not often.
0: This is why Coach K never did it.
1: Yeah. I suppose. But then your team doesn't face that kind of stuff until conference play and then yeah. But they had a merry Christmas. Yeah, there's
2: a... <laughs> yeah. You you get the Duke treatment where they get the, you know how many tweets honestly that I have been able to tweet about the number one team in the country being O and one in ACC play because <laughs> 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 their first game after the new year was always like the Boston College or something, and they would lose, and I would definitely do that, and Duke fans would be so mad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean.
1: maybe stop losing them. So, There's nothing to be mad about.
2: They had a happy, a very Merry Christmas, but a very bad start <laughs> of the New Year. <laughs> 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 it was like, rinse, wash, and repeat every time. Uh-huh.
1: But yeah, CBS Sports Classic. Um, Ohio State's ranked 23rd. So, definitely a leap up in competition from Georgia Tech
0: they just barely beat Rutgers though
1: and there's that I feel like you shouldn't
2: barely beat Rutgers but didn't
0: place. Rutgers beat Indiana
2: I was about to say we just they I, did. I know I played this game when we went to play Indiana we know how that worked
0: Rutgers <laughs> beat the brakes off Indiana oh yeah Wow
2: at home on the road
0: at home. But it was 63-48.
2: Yeah. Um, was it like the game before we played them?
0: After. Uh,
2: that's right. I did see that. Yeah, I kind of blocked that out because I was like, you know what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. I also don't want to talk about what Caleb Grill has done every game since that one. So, you know, it's, it's fun. It's not traumatic at all.
2: Well, let's talk about something a little happier uh, if for only a brief moment. The women's team—they bounced back. And they're now seventh, seventh again. They were tied with NC State for eighth last week, um, so they're back to seventh. I saw a tweet where they said it was their highest average ranking, like to start the season since you know, like over ten years.
0: Wow, very impressive.
2: They're killing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, we talked about both of them going to Indiana. And I said, I felt better about the girls than I did the guys. I stand by that. Um But they both came away on the bad end of that situation, but I'm glad to see that they have bounced back. And um, I think, I think they're going to be really, really good this year.
2: Yeah. And I also feel like there's more, Leeway in the women's poll for like losing games as opposed to the men's uh, teams. And I don't know why that is, but um, if I'm mistaken, they only dropped to eleventh, and then you know eleventh, they went to eighth. Or the, no, I'm sorry, they dropped to eighth. because That's when they tie with NC State, coming off of a loss. And you know, Carolina, the men's team would never have been given that level of support from voters. Yeah, yeah.
0: and they have a they have a tough game coming up soon, too, against Michigan.
1: Yeah. So. Which is another situation where the men's and the women's team play the same team.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, no. we got to play Michigan again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, last year we kind of beat the brakes off of him, but
1: Hunter Dickinson's looking uh, quite a bit better this season, and I think that makes me a little nervous. But at the same time, he has not had fun against Baycott ever.
2: I say, I feel like every, gonna graduate?
0: I feel like every Michigan game I watch though, they're like in a dog fight. Looking forward to that, no, no, I'm not I'm no
1: not. not so much. I'll be glad uh,
2: whether or not I'm looking forward to that depends highly is highly dependent on what happens with um Ohio State.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah,
1: especially since Michigan's unranked. You know, if we can get through Ohio State, then ideally ideally, Michigan will be a little bit easier, but we'll see.
2: But if we etch out a six point win against the Citadel tomorrow, we might have to do an emergency podcast.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. We're gonna have to talk to talk about that one for sure.
0: If for no other reason than to make everyone mad enough that they play really well against Ohio State. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. See, we're on the same page. We're not. We're finally getting there. <laughs> <laughs> we rip them. They give us a good half. We rip them. They give us a good half.
1: Yeah.
0: There you go. So we will just spend an hour giving them the business and uh, see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's probably all for this one. We will be back maybe sooner rather than later, depending on how tomorrow goes. I hope we don't uh, have to. Do <laughs> I <laughs> hope we're not back sooner. Sure. Uh, but in the meantime, would you like to tell the people where they can find you?
2: Um, you
1: can find me at
2: THB Brandon. You can find me at UNC underscore Tar Heel Fan.
0: And I am at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Till next time, go heels.
2: Go heels. Go Heels.